If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 13 as we continue our preaching through the book of Mark. I do not apologize for this. I'm going to preach part one this morning, part two tonight, because I believe everybody ought to be back in church on Sunday night, six o'clock. So we're just going to continue it. And I do that a little on purpose because I believe it ought to be a continuing worship service Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and 6 o'clock, and then on into Wednesday. I was elated Wednesday. We had five musicians out. We had about 15 people out of town, but we had a great attendance uh, Wednesday night. I can't say that for this morning, but we had a great one Wednesday night, and uh, I was really excited about how the Lord moved in the service as we preached on 1 John chapter 4 about how to identify a false spirit or false prophet in the last days. And this goes right along with the message this morning. But I want to preach this a few minutes. I've always wanted to do that. On uh, the glorious second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The glorious second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've learned some things this week about the second coming uh, for the very first time in my 45 years of preaching. And that's exciting. The, the Bible is like a gold mine. You never get all the nuggets out of it. Just got to keep uh, uh, digging and keep on uh, studying. And stay faithful in church because you'll miss something if you, if you miss church. I believe that. And so this morning we're going to preach uh, verses 30, uh, 24 through 27. Then I'll finish the chapter uh, tonight on what you need to do about the second coming. Let me just say this. The second coming should be the most life revolutionary doctrine in the Bible. If you believe the Lord's coming any minute, it ought to change everything about your life, your priorities, uh, your, um, your, your hope, your, your comfort. Uh, folks, He's coming, and He's coming soon. And I believe with all my heart the second coming, the doctrine of the second coming is a life-changing doctrine. And I need to preach on it more, and I'm glad uh, we can preach Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 27. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God as we read these verses. But in those days, amen, the very last days of the great tribulation, uh, after that the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the uttermost parts of the earth to the uttermost parts of heaven. I want to read the rest of the verses I'll preach on tonight. It says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass till all things be done. All these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of the day, listen to this now, and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son. Jesus didn't know the exact day. But the Father, listen to this, take heed, here's the sermon, watch and pray, for you know not, when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porters to watch. 
Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming, suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. So we have a commandment to put feet on our prayers, but to pray before we try to put feet on our prayers and let the second coming change our life because he's coming soon. Let's pray. You may be seated. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd be with us this morning as we preach the word of God. Anoint us. God, give us clarity of thought. And God, give us wisdom on the things we've studied, what to, what to, uh, to say and what not to say. pray that you guard every word. Lord, this could be my last message. This could be the last message someone hears in this auditorium or this sanctuary. And God, this could be the last message we all hear on this side of heaven because the trump of God is going to sound soon. We thank you, dear Lord, that you're coming soon. We're not date setters. We're not trying to set a time. But God, we can know the season. And the season tells us that you're coming any minute. And so, Lord, even so, come quickly. And may we be ready when you come. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the only way to be ready is to be born again. Amen. To be saved. He came to this earth. You know, we know a lot about Mary and Joseph. We know a lot about the shepherds. We know a lot about Bethlehem, about the taxation that brought her to the exact place that she ought to give birth to Jesus to fulfill the prophecy of Micah. We know a lot about the first coming. We know the Christmas story a lot. And we, we read it a lot. And we get excited around Christmas. But I want to tell you something. The world's far less familiar with the second coming. And let me just say this. If he came the first time, we have more prophecy that he's coming the second time. Amen? And so before Jesus went to the cross, this might be the day before he went to the cross, he speaks to his disciples, and he wants them to understand something about his second coming. He wants to be very concise, very clear. The Lord tells his disciples what will happen when he returns. And folks, of course, we're out of here seven years before. The rapture is going to take place. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. But the Bible describes it in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. It says, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I preach on the importance of Jesus Christ Wednesday night. How the prophets, false prophets, has that wrong and they don't believe right about Jesus Christ. But folks, Jesus Christ is going to come very soon and we need to be ready. Uh, right before he uh, uh, left his disciples in the upper room, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house, and me in but not so I told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again, unto your, and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Folks, one of the last messages that he preached, even in the ascension in Acts chapter, after he was seen by over 500 people after the resurrection, and uh, he was ascending, uh, the angel rebuked everybody around, especially the disciples, and in essence said, why are you stand here gazing? He says he's coming back. Get going, praise God, and tell the, the world that Jesus is coming again. And he said in like manner, he went up gloriously uh, in splendor and uh, supernaturally, he says in like manner, I'm coming again the same way. And so folks, I want to just preach just a few minutes on the coming 
of the Lord, the glorious second coming of the Lord. And you know, last week we discovered that it's going to be three and a half years of false peace, a treaty with Israel, a treaty with the world, and then right in the middle of it, verse 14, uh, Mark chapter 13, the abomination of desolation. That's when he's going to, the Antichrist is going to reveal himself, and you'll have the mark of the beast, uh, 666, 18 different numbers. Uh, everybody's got a number now that is going to add more numbers to you. And um, you're going to not uh, be able to buy groceries. And if you do not receive uh, the mark of the beast, you'll be beheaded. And folks, people, before the rapture that's heard the gospel will be believe a delusion. And they'll believe a lie, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. So don't wait to after the rapture to get saved. Now there's going to be thousands of people saved. I'll prove that in just a minute. But it's people that's never heard the gospel. And it's Jews that are finally awake and say, yes, the Messiah is coming. And uh, he has come the first time and he's come again. And so, folks, there's a, there's a tremendous uh, 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 cataclysmic um, uh, God using creation to judge this world in the last three and a half years. After he says, I'm the uh, Antichrist, the events that follow begin called the Great Tribulation. And that's described in verses uh, uh, 13, uh, chapter 13 of Mark and then verse 14, 15, 16, 17 and on said it, it better flee to the mountains and if you're expecting you're in trouble because you're going to have to flee quick and folks I want to tell you something false Christ will be, uh, false Christ will be se uh, severe there'll be disease, there'll be famines there'll be earthquakes, there'll be warfare half of the population will die during the tribulation half of the population and so then uh, Jesus says this to his disciples because they started all this conversation saying, in this glorious temple in this glorious building he said not a rock will be left in place not a stone will be left in place uh, and, 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 and it happened in AD 70 and the reason no rock or stone was left in place because the gold seeped down between the cracks and the greedy men turned every rock upside down so prophecy, it was fulfilled exactly about the destruction of the temple. But folks, I want to tell you something. He, the, every prophecy about the second coming is going to come true too. And I want you to see it in verse 24. It says, but in those days, after that the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. Now folks, we're not going through the tribulation. Uh, we're not going through one day of the tribulation. That would make about as much sense as somebody beating you up on your holiday on your honeymoon uh, or, uh, or on your uh, uh, week before you got married. Folks, he's not going to beat up his bride one day. Right. Folks, we're going to be spared from the wrath to come. Amen? We're not all millennial, post-millennial. We're pre-trib, pre-millennial Baptists. Amen? We believe the Bible. We're going to be spared from the wrath to come. So after these things, after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall be given her light. Now, at the end of the tribulation... It's going to get worse than it's ever been. This is the setting. The sun will not shine. The temps will fall drastically. Earth will plunge into utter darkness. Luke tells us uh, that um, the whole earth's going to be affected. Tides no longer will be predicted and tidal waves, tsunamis. And it's going to be a terrible, terrible cataclysmic time on this earth. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And it's going to get dark before the light of his glory shines as he comes back. And folks, if you're saved, you won't be down here. You'll be up there, and you'll be coming with him. Amen? 
So folks, what crowd are you in? Are you waiting for the judgment of, of, of the wrath of God upon Christ's rejectors? Or have you received the Lord as your Savior, caught up seven years before, now you're coming back with the Lord, and he describes this in a very wonderful way. Um, a writer described it this way. He says, uh, what would happen to the earth if some heavenly body happened to pass close enough to the earth to cause it to tilt its axis just a mere fraction of an inch? God holds it all together. He holds it exactly in rotation and exactly the right axis. He said this. He said, at the very moment, an earthquake would make the earth shudder. And the air and the water would continue to move through uh, th through uh, 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 and hurricanes would sweep the earth and the sea would rush over the continents carrying gravel and sand and marine animals and casting them on the land heat would be developed rocks would melt volcanoes would erupt lava would flow from the fissures of the uh, ruptured ground and covered vast areas mountains would spring up from the plains and would travel and climb on the shoulders of other mountains causing faults and rifts lakes would be tilted and emptied Rivers would change their beds. Large land areas with all their inhabitants would slip under the sea. Forests would be burned and hurricanes and wild seas would wrest them from the ground on which they grew and pile from branches and roots in huge heaps. Seas would turn into deserts and water flowing everywhere. Now folks, that's a cataclysmic thing. If the earth just tilted just an inch or just a few centimeters. And folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible says it'll be so bad in Luke chapter 21, verse 26, it says, Man's hearts will fail them for fear. As they look at all these things that are taking place with creation judging this earth and the, the darkness and no sun, no moon shining. And folks, I want to tell you something. What will cause this malem uh, in this universe? Uh, folks, it won't be the tilting of the world. It'll be that Jesus Christ will remove his controlling hand and sustaining hand from this earth and let it just tilt a little bit or judge it. And folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us that right before he comes back, it's a great tribulation. It's a terrible cataclysmic time. And folks, I want you to see that in this time of darkness, in this time of upheaval of all the mountains, and, and the Bible describes it in Revelation chapter 16, hailstones, 125 pounds, hitting this earth and, and all this uh, fire and hell and demonic beasts coming out of the, uh, uh, of the earth, uh, Revelation chapter 9. And this is not some Hollywood movie production. This is the word of God. Folks, it's going to get so bad that people will cry out for the mountains to fall on them and death will take a holiday. And then Jesus will come and will be with him. Riding on white horses, Revelation Chapter 19, it'll be total darkness, total darkness. So number one, I want you to see in verse 26, uh, he'll, he'll come, or 24, that he'll come, uh, folks, and he'll come uh, suddenly, but he'll come with, um, with this, this uh, phenomena of darkness and the sun and the moon not shining, verse 24, and the destruction of the stars falling and comets have always scared people when they see, think about a meteor meteorite hitting our earth or, or even a, a shooting stars scares the hound out of a lot of people. Well, I want to tell you something, friend. The one that hung all the stars is going to release the stars. And the, the one that caused the sun to shine is going to cause the sun not to shine. And the one that uh, 
is the light by night, the moon, they have nothing to reflect. And so there'll be destruction of the stars, darkness in the sun, and disturbance of the universe. Folks, listen, God created the universe and set it up some rules or laws like the law of centrifugal force and gravity and other rules to govern the heavenly bodies. But the powers that were evident for centuries will change as suddenly. And Lord, the, the, the whole place is going to be fearful and trembling and hearts are be failing. Why? Because verse 26, it says, in the, it says, And the stars in heaven shall fall, verse 25. Verse 26 says, And then shall they see the Son of Man. I like that term, Son of Man. Coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Folks, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, every eye on this earth will see him. Amen. Every eye on this earth will see him. Uh, folks, I don't know if he's going to circle the world one time before he hits it, and he's more than Santa Claus, say amen. But I don't know if he's going to circle this world and everybody's going to see him, but I'm going to tell you something. According to Revelation, behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. They also shall that pierce him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even the Jews will say, oh my goodness, he is God. He is the Messiah. We're not waiting for the first coming. He's already come and we missed it. And then we see the power of his coming in verse 26. It says, the Son of Man coming with great power. Great power. The second coming to the earth, folks, it's going to be great. I mean, folks, the first time he came, he came as a helpless babe. The first time he came was humble. And like that song says, the next time he comes, he's not coming in a manger. He's not coming riding a, some little donkey on Palm Sunday. He's not coming to be crucified. He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. There was a young man in a cancer ward in England, and uh, King George came to uh, visit him. And he came just dressed up and, and uh, you know, just in his uh, normal attire. And uh, the little boy began to cry and said, I thought the king was coming to see me. He said, that was the king that just left the room. He says, no, it wasn't. He didn't have his crown on. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. One day he's going to have his crown on. And he's going to have his vesture dipped in blood. And there's going to be a title on him, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's what this is describing. This is after the tribulation. And this is what this is describing, the earthquakes. And folks, I know that we're having some contractions Sorry, Miss Holly. Some contraction signs here, amen? I know that the earth is quaking, but the, the earth hadn't seen what it's about to see. The earth hadn't felt like what it's about to feel. Hey, folks, we've had some uh, uh, eclipses, but they've only been for a moment. We've had some great earthquakes and tsunamis that wiped out 300,000 people in the Pacific a few years ago, and there's earthquakes that we've even forgot about that rearranged Arkansas in the late 1800s. But I want to say this, friend. We haven't seen nothing yet. And you can shake your little fist at God if you want to, and you can say you don't like Him or you don't need Him, but one day when He comes, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that He is King of kings and He's Lord of lords. He's coming in power. He's a powerful God. And you can't just use Him as a, as a cart boy or an emergency room attendant. By the way, this track about... Um, uh, this might be your last day. It would be great to hand out in airports. We'll be praying for you Tuesday. Uh, airports and ERs. Say amen right there. That's our good one. Amen. Thank God for that. 
Don't go door to door like I did one time in the hospital and got kicked out of the hospital. That was in Claxton, Georgia. That's when I had no sense but a lot of hair. Amen. And I just went door to door saying, hey, if you die today, you know you go to heaven. That's not the thing to do in a hospital. Say amen. I was just fired up about handing out tracts, Brother Jack. I had no sense. Amen. And after I got kicked out, I understand why I got kicked out. Amen. I just stood at the door and said, hey, if you die today, no, I didn't really. Don't ever say that in the hospital. Always say, hey, do you have the power of prayer? Can you pray for yourself? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? I think you ought to be a little tactful. Say amen. Amen. Come on now. And so the power of God. He keeps you alive. Every heartbeat is a heartbeat from God. Thought about that 51-year-old preacher, pastor. Uh, he used to be a pro down at the Elks Club and uh, before he got, God called him out of that as a, a pro golfer. Gave Brother uh, uh, Pete his first golf lessons. Amen? Now he asked me for golf lessons and I won't give them to him. But anyway, uh, and, and thank the Lord that he's in heaven. But folks, that's a shock to a congregation. I mean, they come, how would you like to come next Sunday and I'm not here? Some of you say, glory to God, hallelujah, amen. But uh, folks, you never know, one heartbeat away. And I want to tell you something, he's the only one that keeps you alive. He's the only one that gives you a heartbeat. Folks, it's God's appointed time and then the judgment. And folks, here's the judgment. These folks, every eye shall see him. All the Christ deniers, all the Christ haters say, now, now, now what you going to say, big boy? Because you ain't too big when, the, when God comes in the darkness of that hour, in the quaking of that hour, in the cataclysmic day when he, he, he commands uh, earth to tilt a, uh, an inch or he just, just uh, uh, unleashes the water and the fire in, inside of our earth. There's not going to be any mocking then. There's going to be fear and trembling, say amen. amen. The religious crowd ain't going to have the little, little uh, formal... Uh, deadness then. They're going to be pride out to God and hoping and praying that they can get saved. And folks, it's going to be too late to those that's heard the gospel before the rapture. So we see the, the, uh, we see the power that is coming. But I want you to see, second of all, I see the praise that is coming. Look at verse 26. It says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Now folks, this glory is scintillating. It's beautiful. Uh, the men saw it on the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples saw it when he ascended. Thank God that, hey, uh, Adam and Eve saw it in the garden when he put the flame and fire in the guard against the garden in Eden. Folks, the children of Israel saw it with the flame by night and the cloud by day, the Shekinah glory of God. Folks, the priest saw it when he went into the holies of holies. But now, folks, every human being, every eye will behold the glory of God and we're going to be in this glorious army with them. You don't have to worry about your outfit. God's going to give you one. It's called the robe of righteousness. Amen? You won't have to worry about your Mary Kay, ladies. You're going to have a glow upon you of the glory of God. Amen? It's not, it's not wrong to uh, wear makeup. Just don't put so much on we can't identify the object. Say amen. It's all right. It's all right. You know, you can paint, put a little paint on the barn, but just make sure you don't put so much paint you can't identify the building. Say amen. But I want to tell you this, friend. There's going to be a glow upon all of us. And we're going to be glorified. We're not going to fall off the horse like I did one time. And, folks, it's going to be a blessing. And, folks, the people is coming. The Lord's going to return. And we're going to accompany him in the greatest army. And, folks, I want to tell you something. While many of the Jews live in Palestine, two-thirds of them are all around the world, and they're going to see him. And they're going to start coming back. And they already started going back. Look at verse 27. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost parts of the earth, in the uttermost parts of heaven. 
And folks, listen, the scope of that gathering is going to be awesome. And we're going to, we're going to be in that army. And I want to tell you something, friend. I'm ready to go. I hope you are. He's coming in splendor. He's coming in glory. He's coming in strength. You want to see a, 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 the, the prediction of this? Turn to Zechariah. That's right before Malachi. Brother uh, uh, Larry and I were discussing this in the prayer meeting right before the service where Zechariah was. And I realized it's right next to Malachi. If you can't find Zechariah, you're in trouble, son. Just go to Malachi and turn back. Amen? But look at Zechariah, and I want you to look at verse, uh, I want you to look at chapter 14, verse 6 and 7. Chapter 14, verse 6 and 7. 500 years before Jesus came, uh, what what does Jesus say? He says, and it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that evening time it shall be light. Folks, it's going to be light when he comes. He's the light of the world. And folks, it's going to be the darkest hour on this earth. And folks, the whole world's going to see him. And folks, it's going to spell doom to the lost. If you're left on this earth, it's doom. Revelation chapter 19 uh, is a beautiful chapter on this second coming. And folks, I, want, I just want to read a few more verses out of Zechariah while we're there. But Zechariah... Uh, says he'll come in splendor, but he'll come in strength. Look at Zechariah chapter 14, and I want you to look at verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against these, those nations, and when he fought in a day of battle. He's going to speak one word, one day, it's over. Look at this. Look at verse um, uh, 4. And his feet shall stand, and listen to this now. This is awesome. Y'all with me now? Zechariah, Malachi. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4 says, And his feet shall stand, listen, in the day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave into the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west, and there shall be very great valley, and half of the mountains shall be removed towards the north, and half of the mountains will be moved towards the south. Amen. I mean, he's going he's to land on this earth, and it's going to split it wide open. And then it's going to be darkness, and he's going to be the light. But look at verse 6. This is amazing. Zechariah chapter 14, you with me? Or verse 8. Verse 8. And it shall be in that day, that day, that living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them towards the former sea, and half of them towards the hinder sea. In summer, in the winter, shall it be. Isaiah 35 verse 1 says the desert will bloom like a rose. I'm going to tell you why the desert will bloom like a rose. He's splitting the mountain right in half and the Mediterranean Sea is going to come on in over the, over the uh, uh, desert. The desert is going to have pure irrigation in a moment because the Lord's touching the Mount of Olives and splitting it right down the middle. Amen? I mean God fulfills every one of His prophecies And folks, he's going to come not only in splendor, but he's coming in power. And when he touches that mountain, it splits in half. The ocean runs through that that chasm into the desert, and it blooms like a rose. Folks, I don't know if you fear him or not, but you need to begin to fear God. You need to start respecting God, say amen. You need to take attention to God. He's coming, and he's coming soon. And if you're lost... You're doomed. 
You're lost. You'll be here to look up instead of look down. You'll be in the armies against God and not the armies for God. I played Dr. Curtis Hudson, one of my heroes of the faith, a song on Facebook this week called I'm on the winning side. It was right before he died. I think he died two days later, three days later. And he sang that song, I'm on the winning side. It was such a powerful song. And folks, we are on the winning side because of his glory is in us. Colossians 1, 27. And then his strength is in us. Greater is he that is in the, uh, us than he's in the world. And folks, you might take your last breath this week. You might have a heart attack like the pastor down the road did. You might take your last breath after many days of struggling like Miss Birdie. But I want to tell you something, friend. It won't be the last breath if you're saved. The next breath will be in glory. Amen. And then when the rapture takes place, um, thank God your body will be reunited with your soul. and There will be a wonderful seven years of the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. And there will be all hell breaking out on this earth called the tribulation. First th three and a half years, false peace. Last three and a half years, Terrible, cataclysmic judgment. Read Revelation 6 through 18. You'll never see the word church mentioned because we're not here. But if you're not careful, some of your loved ones will be here. And you might be here if you're religious and lost. And then he's going to come not only with splendor and come in strength, but my Bible says he's going to come with salvation. And that's sort of, uh, I want you to go back to uh, Mark chapter 13. Please, and I want you to look at verse 26 again, the final phrase. It says, And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the uttermost parts of the earth to the uttermost parts of heaven. But everyone will rejoice when they, not everybody will rejoice when, when they see Jesus. Now these Jews are going to come together, and the Bible says in uh, uh, Zechariah chapter 10, no, excuse me, Zechariah chapter 12. Let me read that to you. I meant to read that while I was back there. But in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, that when I shall look upon, when they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. I think uh, Peter preached on that on the day of Pentecost. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him. One that's bitter for his firstborn. Zechariah, 500 years before the fact, said, There's going to be many Jews. It's going to be the worst day of their life. In chapter 13 of Zechariah, verse 1, the Bible says, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleanliness. Folks, at the end of tribulation, Jesus Christ is coming back to this world. And, folks, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And the Jews are going to realize, yes, he is the Messiah. Yes, I need to trust him. And because of the 144,000 uh, virgin male Jewish men, how in the world Jehovah Witnesses have ever claimed that group, preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, Many are going to be saved. Many Jews are going to be saved. And then look at uh, Revelation 14, 6 real quick and I'll close. Revelation 14, 6. The Bible says in verse 6, turn with me now, I want you to look at this. It says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having 
the everlasting gospel to preach. There's only one message, death, burial, and resurrection. That's why I think you ought to include Romans 10, 9 in the, in the Romans road. It says, believe that God has raised him from the dead. Say amen. Sometimes we leave that verse out. That's the gospel. It says, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, every kindred, every tongue, and people. Amen. God has a plan. Let's get the gospel to the whole world. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, that the Jews will receive it. And so, folks, I want to ask you a question. Are you going to be in the crowd this morning? Are you going to be in the crowd that's riding? Are you going to be in the crowd that's rejoicing in the glory of God? Or are you going to be in the crowd that's crying out, rocks and mountains fall on us? Oh, I want to die. Are you going to be the crowd that's looking up when he comes in judgment? Or are you going to be in the crowd that's looking down, watching with him and coming with him in glory and splendor? I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm on the winning side. I'm glad that I'm on the side that's coming back. Seven years before that, I'm going up to be with him. How in the world can we come back with him if we hadn't been up, up with him seven years before and we missed the tribulation? But I want to say this, friend. The tribulation is only the waiting room to eternal tribulation because hell is going to be far worse than the tribulation. It's just a waiting room to go to hell. And so if you, have, if you heard the gospel this morning, you have death, burial, and resurrection, only way to be saved. And you reject the gospel. You know what's going to happen? You're going to believe a lie. And you're going to reject the gospel during the tribulation. And you'll go to hell. We don't want you to go to hell. Jesus don't want you to go to hell. He paid the price. Tonight I'll finish this message on what we Christians can do to keep people out of hell. And what we ought to do if we really believe that Jesus is coming any minute. Father, thank you for the message. Use it for your glory. And God, thank you that you are coming in your glory, riding on a cloud, and we're going to be with you. And God, I praise you and thank you, God, for the word of God that's so clear, so plain. Even the words in Zacharias, 500 years B.C., written, predicting that great day of the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, when the, you'll touch this earth, and Mount Olives will split right down the middle. And you'll be coming riding with a vesture dipped in blood and with the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords because you are King of Kings and you are Lord of Lords. Help us get ready. And as we're going to discover tonight, we can't set a date. but We sure can know the season. And God, we can do a lot by watching and praying and being faithful, being courageous during these last days of persecution. So Lord, help us to be found faithful at the rapture and found faithful in your army as we come back with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.